be full of fright. I grant that I was with the devil below in his great big fiery hall, where the devil was giving a ball. I checked my coat and hat and started gazing at the merry crowd who came to witness the show, and I must confess to you, there were many there I knew. Hello. Welcome to The Dispatchist, a friendly conversation about hell and some other stuff. This is episode 39, Down the Passage Grave, and with me this week are my co-hosts Victoria. Hello. And Jamin. Hi. And I'm Jacob. <laughs> Believe it or not. I don't. Believe it or not, he's Jacob. And many of us are in recovery from a long, long weekend. <laughs> Meeting not it. what? data set of one. Oh, well, you have a long week before, so... I did yeah. have a long week before, and I think I finally recovered this weekend. What did you do on your summer vacation? Well, I went on the Joko cruise. What is Joko? Is it a drink? <laughs> there are many drinks. The signature drink of the Joko cruise is the Wang Wang. So there are many pun opportunities there, but it is a delicious yes. drink of all of the liquors with some fruit juice. Oh, this is like bartender's scrub-the-counter stuff. Yes, but it is actually truly delicious. <laughs> okay. And so the Joko Cruise is hosted by Jonathan Colton and some other musicians, Paul and Storm in particular. And it's a cruise for nerds. So it's all gamers and cosplayers and people who like to do karaoke and who like dance parties and who like crafts and who like to drink uh, delicious cocktails. And there nobody was a jerk. I mean, goodness gracious. Yeah, I know. It's a <laughs> it 1500 like, people and no jerk. It was incredible. It was it was like my fiddler's green, I think, because you know, I thought, "Oh, this will be fun. It has everything I enjoy." But I didn't expect that I would be on a boat with a gazillion people who all had really interesting interests and were super friendly and wanted to talk about them and wanted to hear about my interests and were, you know, not jerks and were nice to the crew and, you know, nobody bullied anybody or made anybody feel bad about their identities or how they were expressing themselves. And so it was pretty, it was pretty freaking amazing. Neat. On the webpage, like you scroll down just half a page and it's just people in front of sewing machines. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> huh. You would, like, both of you would love it. That is a very geeky cruise. Yeah, it's like, wait, they're just sewing like i what what are we I'm doing now jealous we're making domino masks on deck three it's essentially that like we made <laughs> uh, tamari balls embroidered japanese ornamental balls and people were making like clay gnomes they were sewing they were doing their own crafts there was a designated crafting space for people oh, wow until three in the morning there was a game library there were like all night D games and other rpgs and it was just, it was, it was delightful. There was a goth dance party. Oh, there should be. Mm-hmm. Lots of karaoke and live shows. Uh, Amy Mann tends to be, I think she's been on every single cruise, but uh, musicians of that ilk. I spent four days at one of the world's biggest furry conventions, and they let me talk about demons for two hours. Wow. We only let you do that for one hour. I know. Yeah. It was delightful. Mm -hmm. um, no one shut me up because, I don't know, because it was midnight 30 and they were all asleep. but. I had one little funny moment during the panel, besides like everybody laughing at my Pazuzu jokes. 
So I have this massive copy of the Dictionary Infernal. It's a huge two-volume set, which I, I sloughed down 20 flights of stairs in my luggage to get to the panel with it. Mm-hmm. And I had, I thought I'd read it cover to cover, but I read it on an airplane. And <laughs> I was watching someone leafing through it. And then I looked over and they were looking at this this beautiful color picture of Marchosianus, I think, one of the weird animal demons. And I mm-hmm. said, oh, what's that picture? He said, it's in your book. <laughs> and there were like 80 pages of color plates at the end of like the entire Goetia. It was amazing. And I didn't know. I didn't know. It's so I feel like I do uh, I I don't understand people who work on planes because I feel like anything I encounter on a plane I immediately forget. Mm. Like it's it's another realm. I don't know how you transfer knowledge from a plane into the world of the living. Hmm. I don't either. I tend to read religious studies texts on airplanes because they put me to sleep and I can't sleep on airplanes otherwise. Hmm. I do crossword puzzles exactly for the reason that I don't need to retain any knowledge from it. Nice. They're wasted on me. <laughs> the benefits of crossword puzzles, I resist them. She doesn't even fill in real letters. Just like, uh, let's put a P here and a W. I'm done. It's true. It's like coloring, right? Yeah. It's okay. like word Sudoku. <laughs> I've already used a P here. I can't use a P here. <laughs> I'm done. Woohoo. I win. So now that we've escaped our Mutual parties. Does anybody have anything they brought to the party? I brought yogurt. Oh, mm. that's hardly cursed. It's <laughs> it's coffee flavored yogurt. That's, okay. a, that's a little cursed. And I saw it in the store. I was like, oh, this sounds delicious. I'm going to buy it. And so I bought a bunch of it. And guess what? It's what? absolutely disgusting. Well, good. It'll fit in really well in our yeah, fridge. Yeah. Like, I had a bite, Jacob had a bite, he complained, I complained. There's 12 packets left, so Victoria, help yourself. Oh, thank you. I'll, um, I'll have that for uh, 11 Zs. Mm. It starts out very coffee, and you're like, mmm, this tastes like coffee. And then it ends with, like, dear God, what have I put in my face? Oh, it tastes like when you mix instant coffee with your yogurt. So you've done that? Yes, repeatedly. What? Why? Because I was on a diet. Are you in college? <laughs> Yeah, it's like, okay, so what part of diet, you can have coffee on a diet, and you can have yogurt on a diet. You can't have sugar on a diet. And mostly yogurts. Yeah. You were sweetening your coffee with yogurt. Okay. Something like that. Let's all take a minute and judge. (laughs) Imagine that floating to the top. (laughs) I feel like we're just like, what a bummer. No, I was putting yogurt in my coffee, so I had coffee yogurt. It just wasn't very good. Okay. Okay. I've had really good coffee yogurt that was that um, brand that has the cream on top. I think it, if you put cream on top of anything, it's going to be good. Right. Yeah, that'd be right. improved. So, mm-hmm. well, I guess you shouldn't say what brand it is, but it, it's not like one of those stir from the bottom ones. No. <laughs> like this coffee <laughs> No, <laughs> coffee on the bottom yogurt. <laughs> coffee crush-ins. Oh my gosh, someone just sent me a picture of my panel. Oh my gosh, uh, I look like someone's sad, sad uncle. Wait, wait, hold up. I need to see this. Why do you say you look like you look like an actor? Oh, you do look like an actor. Who do you look like? Who's the woman that was in Poltergeist and played the no. medium? That's who I look like. I have to say, you look kind of like Charles Nelson Riley. I hope that's a good thing. I don't know. But in a good way, who's fabulous? And tired, and somebody's uncle. So did anybody bring anything better than cursed yogurt to the party? I did. I did. I did. I did. 
I brought a drink called the Banshee. Oh. I had to do some <laughs> I had to do some research because I set, found several Banshee recipes, none of which sounded particularly Irishy, but I found there's what seems to be like the legit ones that there's they're similar. Well, the only important thing is it has to be an omen of death. Well, there's that. I think <laughs> once I describe the ingredients to you, you will. It's it's kind of like the Wang Wang, and there's a lot of screaming. There's there's fruit flavors. So it's creme de banana or creme de banana. Creme de banane. Banane. We're off to very, banana. Very strange start. Yeah, the, <laughs> the, de banana. the the very typical Irish banana. That's right. I have to say, though, one time I was in Ireland, every single place had banoffee pie. It was like they just nationally had decided that every single restaurant had to have banoffee pie. The banana and coffee? Toffee. Oh, toffee. That sounds much better. It was so good. Oh, okay. Banoffee pie. Mm. White creme de cacao and half and half. Which half? It, it doesn't matter. So it's fine. This is fine. chocolate, bananas, and cream. Yes? Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't... And how can this go wrong? Yeah, where's the I, screaming? It, it can't. It really can't. See, that's the thing. Like, I feel like it's kind of a gut bomb. Maybe that's where it comes in. Well, it's actually like it, 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 uh, it portends a very lengthy death through arterial disease. Oh, okay. So this is like the peanut butter mm-hmm. sandwich with bananas all over it idea. I think so. Okay. But also... So I want to propose an episode that we probably will never have is the fluids of hell. Or <laughs> because there's so much milk. Like milk is all like everybody's dealing with milk here. Like milk is everywhere. I think one of the rivers of hell is actually made of the runoff of the rest of hell. So I think I think hell hell liquids, but I, I get it now because I was like, why is there a milk based drink and for you know the band? It's like oh because there's so much like. Milk has this important role in Celtic mythology. Nurturing and life-giving? Is it a and, s- and other things. What's the origin of the drink? Because if it's a Scottish side, then I can see a really direct tie-in. But it should it should have a drambuie in it then. Oh, don't you think? I don't know. I feel like it's missing whiskey. Like maybe I'm going to go get <laughs> some whiskey. Say that about everything. To this. <laughs> this, this, this podcast is missing whiskey. I say that about my um, yearly evaluation at work. It's like, <laughs> but where's the whiskey? <laughs> well, I brought some entertainment. Oh, oh, good. Yeah, being crucified on an ice-covered stone bridge with traitors and the filthy. <laughs> That's a oh, just the filthy. One. Yeah, yeah, well, the filth. No traitors and the filthy. Mm. Traitors and the filthy. Yes. So I'm surprised that it is as clear cut as it is given. What's happened lately, even though you tricked us last time. Yeah, mm. no, yes. No, lately it has been a little more Baroque, but I think mm-hmm. we're returning to basics here. This is kind of the mid-century modern version. <laughs> well, the, the bridge <laughs> is frozen, guys. I mean. That's true. Yeah. The bridge is frozen. Uh-huh. On a totally unrelated note, what's our topic yep. for the day? Oh. <laughs> Banoffee. Oh. Banoffee pie. Oh. It is Celtic deities oh. today. Oh. And we're going to slide from Celtic deities into our next topic, which is uh, the fairy folk. Isn't slide the name of a Celtic deity? You're very close. Oh. Uh-huh. Slide it's is what she. you do on a stone bridge, oh. a frozen stone bridge. That's right. See, sliding. Um, sorry, the she's are not. Well, no, they are in some. They are fallen deities. Some, are they in some 
scholarship. I think that some people would want you to believe they're fallen deities. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like there was sort mm-hmm. of like anti-Tuatha campaign at work here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I yeah. just word drop something that we haven't defined yet. So I'm going to, I'll let you will actually <laughs> this one. Well, actually, well, we have some hell news first. Too, oh, right? we do. Okay. That's true. Uh, do you want to go apocalyptic or trivial? We'll let Jamin choose. Apocalyptic. Okay. okay. So in Japan, ancient Japanese killing stone holding a kitsune demon breaks. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a, a thing called the killing stone, Seshoseki, mm-hmm. which is this yes, little is. boulder on a hill. And if you touch it, you probably die because it contains an ancient kitsune demon named Tamomo no Mei, the nine-tailed fox. She's been trapped in that rock for a thousand years, but recently it broke in half. General Oops. comments on the news article on this are, well, we thought this decade couldn't get any worse. <laughs> it's like a cabin in the woods. Yeah, okay. yeah. Like, that's one of the various <laughs> alternate paths that it could have taken. Uh huh. Oh, spoiler. I guess we should have said spoiler. <laughs> Ten years old. Wow, you just sounded like a record scratch. I was wondering what that was. <laughs> I was like, where did you get the record scratch? <laughs> You're a human record scratch. That was amazing. So we have that to look forward to. Yes, uh, I think I think you had something more trivial. Am I wrong? Oh, uh, uh, if well, if you consider owning a part of hell trivial, well, it was owning a square inch of hell. Yeah, that's only a square part. Inch. Yeah, fair. It's true. How much do it you need? So yeah, I don't know if you guys have heard about hell, Michigan. I don't know. Did we talk about that in our? I think it's come up as like the number three hell news several times. Like you can be mayor of hell. Yep, 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 yep. So this is related okay. um, to the same place. And it's funny because when uh, I would talk to people on the cruise about the podcast, they would say, oh, well, then you know about Hell, Michigan. And you're like, no. <laughs> like, what? But now for nine ninety nine, which seems to be a missed opportunity, unless... Right. Well, inflation. Yes. You can buy a square inch of Hell. As we mentioned... You can become mayor of hell for one day for $100. Mm. You get impeached at the end of the day. <laughs> um, but this one, the hellish bargain that you make is that there's no promises that somebody else can't buy your square of hell. Well, it's hardly sold to you then. It's true. But, you know, sort of a, there's always a, there's always a catch when you mm, make a deal with the devil. I don't know. So, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of iffy. I want my hell to be my own personal hell. I, oh, hmm. You got personal there. <laughs> what what punishments could you meet out in one square inch? Apostrophe errors. <gasps> Ooh. Yeah. Just have like a tiny little like ticker tape of apostrophe errors, just kind of like Right. Or 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 a thumbtack. Do they do they let you print out the deed? I feel like we need to buy a square inch of hell just so we can have the deed in our office. Like friends. I was thinking that we Actually, should do yeah. that. Yeah. Maybe we each and have maybe. our each have our own find find special locations for it. Yeah, and also we could pitch in and one make one of us mayor for a day. Mm, that's a lot of responsibility. We can barely I've run been a podcast impeached in a long time. <laughs> I'm not even mayor of my of my chair, <laughs> much less hell. <laughs> so okay, so we're gonna buy a square inch of hell. It's decided. Okay, okay. We can make a tiny little sign for it. You're right. One inch of our logo, not even the whole logo. It could be the little tail yeah. on the D. Mm-hmm. I guess technically yeah. we could make the logo smaller. What? Oh, we could. Yeah. Uh-huh. You're it's, right. It's compressible. 
We okay. should we should get on our topic though. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what topic? Yes. So yeah, so Celtic deities. Okay. Or, or yeah, so that's what we're talking about today. And I just want to say that I apologize <laughs> that this is turning into a Manon and McLear fan podcast kind of by accident. Yeah. This is going to be the third episode where we talk about him. Is he cute? Um, I think he probably is. I mean, he's potentially like one of the most popular deities in the Celtic world. Okay. And it kind of has to be because he's hot, right? I mean, sure. why not, right? Can I open this with a statement of general ignorance? Why, yes. That's my job. I know, but I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to beat you to it. I thought the Tuatha-Denon was a general category meaning just fairies. No. No, it is not. There's kind of a Venn diagram here. Oh, okay. And <laughs> as is as is our way, we have to go all the way back to a book called the Leber Gabala Eron. It's a very reliable <laughs> textbook of history. Exactly. That's what it's called. It's the very reliable textbook of history or the taking of Ireland is what that means. And so it's actually a medieval Christian pseudo history, as you have pointed out. Yeah. But it talks about the different settlements of Ireland and it is aligned with the six ages of the world. Oh, I did not know that part. Who, so, what, yeah. where, why, when? How do we eat? Why do we eat? And where shall we have lunch? Oh, wait. It's related to those questions about the worms, like, you know, what were the worms doing? Did the, you know, how, what, were they, what were they feeling at the time? I, I realized there may have been some auditory lag. Did you say the six H's of the world? <laughs> yeah, there's only six H's. So that's why in a sentence, you can only have six words with an H in it. They're worth an already. awful lot of point in Scrabble. Uh-huh. Sorry, I was looking at the six stages. Stages. Six stages of the earth. Of grief. Loss, reconciliation, anger, rum. rum. You forgot bargaining. Tweeting. Mm-hmm. Sleepy, you happy, grubby, doby, sneezy. Itching. Itching. Swelling. <laughs> blistering. Get to our topic. <laughs> okay. So all of this also aligns to, like, the flood. Right. Okay, so everything happens after the flood. Yeah, it's like biblical and, allegorizing to make historical points. Yep, 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 yep. So I'm going to run through this a, fairly quickly to get to the important part, which is the Fumerians and the Tuadadanan. So, or the or the Tuada, which or Tuade, Tuada, which is they're sometimes also called. But you have to kind of know the others that came before. So the assumption is that the Fumerians have always been there. They've just been like, they're eating fish, essentially. So they're kind of the original inhabitants of Ireland, according to this history. And then you have several groups that come in historically or kind of washed ashore. The people of Kassar, the people of Parthalon. Oh, and the Parthalon, they're, they're important because they're responsible for introducing activities such as farming, cooking, brewing, and building. So they're kind of the you know, agricultural level of building Ireland, but they all died of the plague within. Uh, it happens. They all died within a plague uh, within one week. So they weren't there very long. Then you had another important group called the Muntir Neymond. So Muntir also means people. The Firbolg, 
and then the Tuadadanan, and then the Milesians. So Furlog mean the bag people. The bag people, yes. And so they were enslaved. They had to carry rocks in bags. Mm-hmm. And so they're kind of like they brought <laughs> they brought essentially like topsoil to Ireland. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. So think of them as in the guys their bags, topsoil in their bags, yeah. bags of dirt. Mm-hmm. Yes, in their bags. Uh-huh. So the first four groups are wiped out or forced to abandon the island. And the fifth group, which is the Tuadadanan, represents the pagan gods. And then the final group, the Milesians, are what we now know as the Gaelic people. So the upshot is, like, at the, at the end, the Milesians got the top level. They got the earth, the, ter- you know, the terroir, and then the Tuadadanan got the underground. So the Nemand or the people of Naaman are important because half of them died, or actually most of them died of plague, including their leader, Naaman. But the rest who survived, they left Ireland and some went north to become the um, Tuadadanan, and then oh. others, yes, and some go to Britain to become the Britons with an O, and then some go south to Greece to become the Furbolg. And so that's where the enslaved Furbolg Oh, okay. Okay. So there were a later chapter. Uh-huh. This is yeah. very complicated. So, it is very complicated. And it's and it's all true. No, it's yeah. It's all 100% true. Do you know true. how many times I said that last week when I was discussing the history of demonology? It's all true. Everything is <laughs> it's true. All Even true. the ridiculous we, stuff is true. It's all equally true. We have the receipts. <laughs> so don't worry about it. So the island's going to be empty for about 200 years. All right. The Furbolg, they escape. Uh, slavery from in Greece, and they come to Ireland and they build Terra. So Terra is an actual place that you can visit today. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't. It's in County Meath. Okay. And there's a complex of grave and mon- graves and monuments and whatnot. So then, pa- um, are, so these like officially like the secret mound builders? Yeah, like that's what they brought they their dirt are. for to build mounds. Well. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think so. I'll buy, yeah, I'll buy that. That makes sense. Sure. Let's, let's just say that's true. Oh, great. I mean, okay. this is all true. We're Whatever making, we say is we're true. We're making mythology as we go along. Indeed. Yeah. So the next group, of course, were the Tuadadanan. And interesting point. Some people think the Furbolgs were actually Fumerians because <laughs> they were the one group that didn't have any harassment by the Fumerians because the people oh. of Naaman actually were enslaved by the Fumerians and were forced to give tribute every Samhain where they'd have to give them corn and one of their children. Maybe the Furbog had bags of dirt and the Fomar did not want the dirt. <laughs> you think? That could be it. I think that's it. They're like, we've got dirt. Yeah. I mean, look around. Look. <laughs> all, all there is is peat moss. So there's some rocks. There's some moss. Um, they created what? What city? Oh, Terra, the Terra, which is the, the the seat of the of the kings of Ireland. Is that just T E R R A? It's T A R A, like uh, in Gone with the Wind. There's a connection there. Oh, this is the one with like the witch on top. Uh, the witch that got turned to the stone by by what's his name? Matthew McConaughey. This is a very informative podcast. Tom Scott. <laughs> what was his name? We'll come back to that because maybe hey. we should hey. look that up. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, but there's there's been a lot of controversy surrounding Terra because you know municipalities wanted to build a road that kind of went 
through it. There have been like issues uh, about protecting Terra. So, of course, all battles ensue between. So there was battles with the Naimand and the people of Naimand, and then also the Furbolgs battled the Tuatodanan and the, the Furbolgs again. Maybe they were Fomorians actually like helped the Fomorians in battle against the Tuatodanan. So eventually, the Tuatodanan banish the Fomorians, or you know, or defeat the Fomorians. And then the Milesians come over and then they divide the earth. So this is how we get the people above and the deities below. So all of this leads to this kind of uh, duality of the Fumerians, who are the forces of chaos and the dark side of nature and the Tuatodanan, which are supposed to be like civilization and art and light. So... They're kind of like the sharks and jets of Celtic uh, mythology. A few things I liked about, about the Tuathidon when I was reading up on <laughs> them. The name broadly means folk of the goddess Danu, maybe, but there yes. is no goddess Danu. Yes. <laughs> this is a, non, a non-goddess goddess. So it kind of plays up the idea that maybe they're like refugees from an older pantheon that just kind of got washed in and then kind of covered up gently. Mm. Yes. there's <laughs> There are a lot of like... Oh, this person may also be this other person because Danu is also seen as potentially being the part of the Morrigan. Okay, as well, I'm, even though Danu doesn't exist. That that sounds like back formation. Mm-hmm. But the Morrigan yeah, so. was a bad person. No. Well, but was it a person or was it three people? Most people are three people. Yes, we're That's, actually only we're only one podcast. We're wolves. We're we're three wolves stacked in a trench coat. <laughs> yes, one ticket, please. Can I have a ticket to this adult show, please? Here is my totally adult money, sir. I hand him, the, hand him the wallet. We're Vincent Adultman from Bojack. So I like this, particularly since Danu might be like a water goddess, and that kind of implies that maybe they journeyed across the water to get to us, and maybe we're their other world somehow. I don't know. Oh. Well, and I apologize to people who know all of this better than it, because I am condensing and taking liberties to get to where we want to be. And I'm going to derail you again. Okay. This excites me. So, an- <laughs> Awesome. That's the whole point. <laughs> Another thing I really liked about the story of the Tuatha was that they came from these faraway cities. They came to us, to Ireland, mm-hmm. to this place, and taught sciences, architecture, the arts, necromancy, and magic. And it really reminds me very much of the watcher angels coming or kind of the prometheus myth generally is that these people come from another world to get to us and to bring these gifts from beyond to us Mm -hmm. given the christian influence i think the watcher myth is not entirely out of the question as an influence right yeah no i mean there's just you know essentially we have like a bucket of gods and we give them different names (laughs) and different attributes in different cultures I'd like to read the passage from the Liber Gabala Aaron of the mm-hmm. arrival of the Tuatha because it's oh yes, this is great. This is great, kind of beautiful. Yes, uh-huh. it is God who suffered them, though He restrained them. They landed with horror, with lofty deed, and their clouds of mighty combat of specters upon a mountain of Kamacht of Kanacht, maybe, without distinction to discerning island, without ships, a ruthless course. The truth was not known beneath the sky of stars, whether they were of heaven or of earth. See, that brings like this element of darkness to them. Right. right? They did arrive with like three days of solid darkness and all their ships burned. 
It's like shock and awe. Yeah, right? very much so. Uh-huh. It's interesting. I mean, if you think about how you know horrific angels actually are. They're really annoying at dinner parties. <laughs> it's true. Always look, looking down festival. their seven noses at you. <laughs> I always imagine them to be like, you know, when you look at, well, say the statue at the top of the Capitol, if you, you know, from far away, she looks fine. But close up, it's just like, ah. The huge is- feet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and just like these gouged out eyes. Nostrils you um, can fit your head into. When we were mentioning the Tuatha, I thought they were kind of fairies. But when you li- when you get the first list of the Tuatha that like set down in Ireland the first time, the names mm-hmm. are Dogda, Morrigan, Luke, Bridget. These are powers that you'd definitely recognize if you'd like studied your Irish mythology and gods and goddesses. Exactly. They are the standard Celtic mythoi mm-hmm. characters. And they're current, I mean, paganism. They're, they're, they continue to be worshipped today. Yeah. yeah. So they are still with us, but they're the, like the big, the heavy hitters. Of, they're like, yeah, they're the celebrities, the celebrity deities. <laughs> but let's talk about the Fomorians because I find them particularly interesting because they are probably the closest, well, apart from the fairy folk, the closest to demons or demon race that existed. I didn't know I'd have to research the Fomorians today. And there's not, I mean, apart from, you know, like I would really like to do a deeper dive into the Fomorians in just in life because they, they're they pretty interesting. But so they. Are they kind of a background element almost? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But also like provide the darkness for the light, but they're necessary and they're pretty load bearing <laughs> because a lot of stuff had to like they had to be there for this stuff to happen. So they're often depicted as monstrous, though, and they become, as Jamin is dressed, people can't see this. Uh, in, in later iterations, they become these kind of monstrous pirates, like sea pirates. And I guess- Am dressed as a pirate today. That's true, but you're not monstrous. Well, um, and, and, man, 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 clear man, man, mm-hmm, becomes mm-hmm. the god of the sea, almost. So it's like, like we, move the co- we move the conflict offshore. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, the sea, of course, is very, very important. Well, if uh, you're an the... island, of course it's important. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you've got a lot of, the sea is load-bearing, and you have to have gods for it. Okay, so they're pi- we already said they're pirates. Um, so in some cases, they were human, <laughs> but get this. They had, had the head of, they had the heads of goats. They had, their heads were goats. And in some of other like actually, this was a pretty common depiction. You're kidding. One arm, <laughs> but even more common. I don't even know how this works. But they had one arm, one leg, and one eye. Oh, monopods. I don't know if they were balanced out. Oh, uh, you know, or would, would they just like tip over? Were they hmm. the little teapots of <laughs> Celtic <laughs> mythology? These turn up in Narnia somewhere. Like I think, I think in the Voyage of the Dawn Treader, we encounter them. That makes total sense. Hopping madly. Mm-hmm. There must have been a lot of hopping and spilling the tea. <laughs> oh, oh, and also, uh, they are in Christian Christian histories. They are associated with ham. Ham. So, uh huh. Noah's son. Ham. Okay. Thank you for clarifying. 
Yeah, okay. I feel mm-hmm. I like not ham, not like delicious, delicious ham. So but the, uh, the people of Israel ham. can't eat them. <clears throat> right, exactly. Which is true either so, way, actually. Which ham was the black sun, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Right? Well the the So there's there's some racism, like early racism. <laughs> ham was a dark one. Like you've got the but like you got the Semitic people and the Hamitic people, and this term has long long gone out of favor. Mm-hmm. So was he then supposed to be just swarthy? Yeah. Okay, so he was this, but still, that's like, okay, the dark people are the bad people, right? That's, we're kind of getting that idea from, and I mean, that, that maintains throughout Christianity in various ways. Well, I mean, if you're a racist, yes. What is going on <laughs> in this picture of Shem, Ham, and Japheth? Oh, so I guess it's more ham, but I like to say ham. Mm-hmm. I'm sharing a picture of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and they're fabulous dressed in whatever they're wearing with lovely, lovely lips and doing a little dance with a curtain of some what? sort. They're beautiful. I, I think they're fabulous. Oh my gosh. Wow. Share that with people later. That's, that is fantastic. Oh, and they're, they're just covering up. No, there's Noah being drunk in the background. Oh, that's the context. Okay. Yep. That's right. They're hiding his uh, nakedness. His right? shame. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Ham is the one in the middle. Right. right I'll buy that. Okay. So our famous Fomorians, our celebrity Fomorians, are Balor of the Evil Eye. Anybody want to guess what his special trait was? Self-knowledge. <laughs> Eye boogers. He could, he could always find a discount. <laughs> it was amazing. It was amazing. The king That's of coupons. That's won so many battles that he was able to get all their uh, weapons at half price. No. So he's the death, he's often considered the death god, but uh, his eye uh, gained its power from an accidental splash of a druidic draught. So go figure, D&D borrows a lot from <laughs> from Celtic mythology. Um, and the result being that anyone who looks upon his eye will die. And when its deadly power is needed, it takes four men to lift his eye his eyelid. So they've got to get little forks and lift his eyelid. So that he can kill people. Hey, little fork through mm-hmm. the eyelid. Someone somewhere is carrying around the eye of Baylor or the head of Baylor on a shield. And that is very Gorgon Medusa as an image. It is. It totally is. Yeah. And again, there's uh, the, the story, the very, again, load-bearing story of a prophecy made by another one of our celebrities, Kalen of the Crooked Teeth, who is the one who prophesied Baylor's demise at the hand of his grandson. So maybe you mean demise. All- demise. <laughs> Good one. So he went to great lengths to prevent this from happening. Yet his grandson Lou, with a slingshot, but- poked his eye through his head, which then turned on the rest of the Fomorians, causing great consternation and chaos. Doom. You just can't escape it. Nope. Mm-mm. So uh, that is. So he shows up quite a bit throughout, as does Lou. We'll get to Lou too, because he's one of the Tua Dadana, but also one of the figures that is both Fomorian and Tua Dadana, because there was a lot of inner. Oh, I didn't know. A uh, lot of mixing between the two. So some of it, some of it was strategic, forging alliances and things, but. Another one, <laughs> no, this is the hot Fomorian. 
So there's always got to be a hot guy. If you think about them as a boy band, you got to have the one eyed one, the hot one, the, the, the one with the crooked teeth. So he's the king of the Fomorians, and he's the father of Bress, who we'll talk about in a minute. So again, Bress is a product of this kind of intermixing um, because Eero, his uh, consort, let's say, uh, is of the Tuatodonon. And he, the imagery surrounding him suggests that he may have been associated with sources of light and, illu- and illumination. So there's several of these deities who are kind of mistaken for sun gods. I think he's one that kind of it gets folded in there. Bress, in turn, is the biggest jerk of the Fomorian. So boy band, he's the jerky one. He became king of the Tuatodonon when Noada, who was the existing king, lost his arm in battle. He was no longer perfect, so he could not be king. But the doctor, which another member of the boy band, Dan Kech, he is the doctor who made a silver arm for Nuada. And there's a whole thing about Kech killing his son because his son actually turned Noada's arm back into flesh and blood and what? blah, 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 blah. So a lot about the silver arm. The silver arm is like everywhere in, in all of these stories. Noada and the silver arm. So he was a terrible king. One of the greatest crimes that he committed was being a bad host. Oh, no. It was said. Rude. Yeah. It was said that after visiting his house, the knives were never greased. Guest knives were never greased, meaning they didn't actually get any meat. And their breath did not smell of ale. Huh. Mm-hmm. Rude. So he didn't give everybody meat and beer. And also, there was a scathing poem written about him, which was the first satire in Ireland. And this, everything went horribly wrong for Bress after that. There was a performer named Bress. <laughs> so, oh, and he also Whose made knives were never it. covered with grass. <laughs> But uh, another crime that I guess may be just as important as bad hosting is that he made the Twidadon pay tribute to the Fomorians. So, interesting. Bad. That's a total dick move. And so, the last Fomorian that I want to mention is Tethra, who we talked about before as kind of the god of chaos. He is important in in sort of history or sort of the chronicling of the scholarship because. He's often considered, his mention is often considered the place where um, human and like, there's actually discussion of uh, Hades. So, of humans actually going to Hades. So, that's why he's significant in scholarship. But that's it for uh, our little brief foray into the Fomorians. Now, Any questions, concerns, I, thoughts? I thought, as we look at Tethra, uh-huh. Tethra of the Fomorians, ruling mm-hmm. Magmel. Tethra may be derived from Proto-Indo-European, tet-e-ro, meaning quacking sound. <laughs> quacking sound. But, wow. But it makes sense because the, this is the crow, like the Irish crow. So many people are crows. Right. Now, I'm okay with being crows. Crows are big, black, fierce, and etc. Mm-hmm. I would like to say just one. They don't quack. Crows don't quack. Sorry. In Austin, the crows don't crack. If you're in Ireland, uh, please write us at the dispatches. Tweet us at the dispatches. Let us know what your crows do over there. Send us a sound mm-hmm. clip. Have you guys watched Arrested Development? 
I live it every day. This have to do with quacking. <laughs> because there's an ongoing gag where uh, whenever somebody is being a coward, everybody acts like a chicken or what they think of as a chicken. It's nothing like and a chicken. it's always not a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> so, the ta- like, have, has, have, have you ever seen a chicken? So, hmm. maybe they've never <laughs> heard a crow. The sound of yeah, quacking. Maybe... <laughs> Think of them as really smart ducks. Are you saying That's ducks are dumb? Uh, moving on. Moving on. So are you guys ready to talk about the Tua, Tua de Donnan? I thought we were talking about the... Oh. We're moving on from the Fomorians. To the Tuatha. Yes. So. Okay. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, certainly. Okay, so as we've mentioned, the goddess that doesn't exist is the mother of the Tua Tatanin. And she is the non-existent main deity. She's one of the non-existent main deities of the pre-Christian Ireland. So, generic, again... Generic mother goddess, really, like... Generic mother, mother goddess, goddess number four. Mm-hmm. And so, the Tua Day is... Uh, they become kind of the kings and queens of and heroes of Ireland in this pre-Christian past, and they all had supernatural powers. They are often considered fallen angels as well as the fairy folk. So there is kind of a, but I couldn't figure out like why they were kicked out of heaven. I haven't found that out yet. Any thoughts? Any ideas? I mean, they landed on Earth to teach people, and again, that sounds kind of uh, like the uh, Promethean, Promethean Watcher Gregory mm-hmm. type story. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we don't know. They may have just settled here and stuck or something. So over time, they kind of become just fairies. I mean, they lose their identity. And that feels yeah. like Christian monks kind of writing the divinity out of them to settle on a smaller mm-hmm. pantheon of gods and make them more relevant. Probably three gods, I'm guessing. There's always three. And Christianity severely <laughs> harms the representation of one of these gods. But we will talk about that in a second. Or maybe makes it even more... Uh, provocative, let's say. So, as we talked about earlier, are associated with passage tombs, because those were built there because they went underground. So they are, you can actually, con- you know, contact them or seek their favor by going to these passage graves. So, four treasures of the Tuatadana, because they brought these treasures with them to Ireland. And they're very, very important in, in various tales. One is Dada's cauldron. <laughs> There's a funny story. The Fomorians try to get the better of Dada by filling it with porridge and demanding that he eat it. And he totally does. It's like the first, you know, pie eating contest. And he even licks the bowl. And they, you know, like, wah, wah, wah. There's the Spear of Lou, and this spear was said to be so fearsome that it had to be kept in a cauldron of water during peacetime so that it didn't catch everything on fire. Pretty cool. Got the four elements happening here. Yep, yep, yep. Leofal, the, uh, this is the Stone of Destiny, and this is at Terra. It will cry out under the foot of the true king. And then the final one is the Cleave Solace, the sort of light of that belongs to Nuada. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we've got air. Yeah. We've got earth. We've got fire. We've got tofu. We've got water. This feels very after mm-hmm. the fact again, but that's okay. I think, I think, yeah. I mean, I think you're probably right. So let's talk about some key deities. Okay. 
Uh-huh. So our big guy, uh, apart from Monon McLear, is the Dada. The dog. It's spelled D A G D A for those of you listening at home, not Da Da. Um, dog Da Da. Da, yes. So he's the father figure, king and druid. So he's also the fertility god. You may, <laughs> you may recognize him because it's assumed that you know that big carving that is. Um, oh, where is it? It's the Abyss Giant. That is um, in Dorset. You know, it's it's that big land work of the guy with the big penis and he's holding a big club. Yeah, that one. Mm-hmm. That's assumed to be him. God of fertility. Um, and he's manly. He's the manly god. But also, he controls life and death. Because his, his club can both kill people and then bring them back to life. Not if you hit them hard enough. Well, his he can do it. Okay. He can do it. He also controls weather and the seasons and um banishes octopus. <laughs> he has the big cauldron, the never-ending salad bowl of 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 porridge. And he also has two pigs, one of which is always growing whilst the other was always roasting. Nice. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's pretty awesome. Mhm. This is uh this is very Norse. The Valhalla, what's his name? Sayrimir is a creature killed and eaten every night. Oh yeah, yeah. As a fertility god, he every once a year would do it with Morrigan. Here it's one person, unless he's doing it with all three of Morrigan. Hey, slightly um, slightly hotter. Totally. And that would ensure prosperity and fertility for the next year. So in Middle Irish, he is described as beautiful because he's very manly. But in Christian depictions, he's kind of like the Disney giant. Yes. Yeah. He's also kind of like a, a, a porn version of Fred Flintstone where he's wearing a tunic that's too short. So his penis hangs out. So he's like Porky Pig, Flintstone, porn yeah. mashup. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I hadn't experienced that mentally yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So again, he's one of the ones that you can consult with by going to his passage grave. So Noada is the one that had the silver hand we talked or silver arm. We talked about him a little earlier. And so he just kind of keeps showing up in all these battle narratives. But Angus, who is not only the guitar player of ACDC, but he's also the Dada, he's the son of Dada and Bon, who's a cow goddess. She's she's both a water goddess and a cow goddess. Huh. Okay. So this is one of those places where milk is milk is flowing throughout all of the stories. But he's a healer and the god of love, youth, summer, and protection. He's also a shapeshifter. This this question may be a little bit meta, but mm-hmm. when I think of pantheons, this is a very recent pantheon. Like this is like five hundred AD ish or so in its current construction. Mm-hmm. Older pantheons, there really isn't the god of X. Right, 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 right. right. Just the big god. Is the, like, attribution of, like, distinct deity portfolios in this, is this a later edition? Or were they actually formed as, like, this kind of developed pantheon? I don't know. I think, like, yeah, you're right. Like, they're, it seems that pre-Christian, they're kind of these portmanteau gods yeah just <laughs> like the big god uh-huh. but this one the, yeah they have more discrete stories but that may be because it's a it's a it's a post-greek reconstruction 
I think it's that syncretization that is Mm. inevitable. Yeah, late late stage Mm -hmm. polytheism. Yep, yep, yep. Late stage polysyncretism. Yes, late stage polysyncretism. Oh, it's terrible. It's heartbreaking. Uh, Angus. Angus. So, Angus. Um, He's also, of course, a big figure in Scottish mythology as well. He's one that um, figures prominently there, too. But there's at least one key tale of his that is very similar to the Demeter tale of the coming of different seasons. Like he's he's responsible for the rejuvenation of the earth into spring. But the best part of him, of Angus, our, our buddy, he was often accompanied by small birds and they flew around his head and sang songs. They were lovely. Not not <laughs> not also- annoying. They had the effect of harassing and annoying his enemies. Nice. He's like like, a Disney princess. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm, He really is. Yeah. Yeah. Just like little birds dressing him and finery and, you know, kind of going and harassing anybody who uh, is making fun of him. Oh, my. So I'm just going to share this picture of Angus I just found. Okay. Is he hot? Um. With his little bird. This particular Angus, I think, is 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 rather hot. Yes. Oh, I saw this. Yes, that thought, mm, that is an under this has an agenda. <laughs> underdressed Angus wearing like black coal rim eyes. He's got emo I, hair. He does have emo and hair. Yes. The the significance of the swan is the woman, the literal woman of of his dreams that he went searching for. Um, she and uh, like a hundred and forty nine other girls every Samhain were turned into swans and so he nonetheless was able to find her in the swarm of swans he turned into a swan called her name found her and they were you know they lived happily was her name ergo the swan was her name lita no thank (laughs) no well this it was car so this is the love the god of love and beauty and it seems like he's underdressed most of the time so that actually kind of makes sense it's not just this picture totally it's most Uh pictures of him he is really Showing what he can. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. He's also the the <laughs> he's the the god of male strippers. I don't mm. know if you yeah, he, he was the he invented the Velcro pants, the breakaway pants. Break rip off pants. If you knew that. Yeah. That was, you know, the birds. Actually the birds were the ones who would rip away his pants. It's canon. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Applause people. <laughs> That's right. You know, isn't mythology just the most gorgeous thing? It's revealing. <laughs> <laughs> we should have a sound effect of Velcro ripping. So Lou, we talked about Lou a little earlier, is the one who killed Balor. He uh, is blamed. He's he's often a trickster figure as well, but he's blamed for thunderstorms. He's also mistaken for a sun god of a type. He's also seen as comparable to Loki because of the killing of Balor. It's sort of aligned with Loki's killing of Baldur. Hmm. So... Again, probably some of that syncretization. Yeah, maybe he happening. was a German importer or something. Yeah, because he has golden hair. Um, he's large, young, and handsome. And he has been bestowed with many gifts from his foster father, who is... who? What is this a fan? Who is this a fan podcast of now? Man, 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 man. Yes, so... Manaman Manaman McLear gave him his. He's the horse. Isle. He's the Isle of Man's Man Manaman, the Man Man. 
yes, he is the man, men, man, man, man. So he gave Lou his horse, who can ride across the waves. The horse's name is Anbar or Anvar, and he is often like that word potentially means froth. So he may be kind of like like the sea foam. And he also was bestowed uh, the magic boat named Wave Sweeper and the spear, the spear of Lou. Well, he also had the spear of Lou and he has a sword that for- called Answer that forces people to tell the truth. And it can also pierce any armor. So Ragnarok is the name of the sword, which again, sounds like a very D&D thing. So he lived in Tirnanog and he occasionally popped up into the mortal world but he was the dad of Cucullin, mm. so that's also very important. A very important figure in Irish. He's one of the big Irish heroes. There's been some talk of him being the origin of the Leprechaun. Huh. Mm. Yes. So that comes from just the like cognates of his name, and he's also uh, he's celebrated with Lunasa or Lunasa, the harvest festival. Immolk is the spring one. So this is, I believe, the harvest festival. So next is Bridget, who you all have heard of. Popular. Arts goddess. Yes. And of course, she is uh, syncretized with the with the uh, St. Bridget, right? And she's associated with fertility, motherhood, healing, smithing, and tending an eternal flame, as well as arts. And she's also <laughs> the goddess of serpents. In Scotland, not in Ireland, because why? St. Patrick. Yes. And we'll talk a little bit more, but very briefly about that. So she, again, might also have been a three-part goddess. And something I did not know is that they there's, uh, in some scholarship, three-part goddesses were replaced by the Holy Trinity. Yeah. That it happens. Sure, that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Anything with three so, is just al- and 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 allegorized. Mm-hmm. So she's also Saint Bridget is considered uh, Jesus's foster mother. But here's the interesting thing about Bridget that I hope you guys haven't heard because <laughs> I thought this is really cool. Okay. So through the synchronization into Saint Bridget, she became Maman Bridget. Okay. In Haitian voodoo. Oh, oh that is a. Oh. That is a long journey. That is a very long journey. So she is the wife of Jamin's favorite psychopomp in Haitian voodoo. Uh, Baron Samidi? Baron Samidi, indeed. And That is um, such a journey. Wow. Yeah, so she's the only non-African Lu, or I, I can't, the, the Lu is sort of a goddess figure there, right? Because there's a different word for the... For the psychopomps, or is it the same word? Oh, it's been what twenty episodes since we talked I about know. K- that was a K- long Gionica. time ago. But she reigns over death, fertility, cemeteries, and motherhood. In yeah, mythology. And it's the same Bridget. Okay, okay. It is the same Bridget. Yeah, there's that mm-hmm. kind of death and rebirth thing that you get quite a lot of motherhood and, and yep. the grave at the same time. Everybody, everybody can kill people and then bring them back to life. It seems. So, yeah. The, we talked already about Dian Kecht, who is the uh, doctor of the Tuatadanan, and he also was okay. So, tell me if this story sounds familiar to you. Okay, 
the Morgan, who's the Dada's uh, wife, had born a son that was just like a monster, essentially. And um, there was a so Dan Keck decided like this creature needs to be destroyed before it before it gets out of infancy. So he yeah, you're uh, telling this is my story. <laughs> I'm so sorry for you. <laughs> But thank you. I'm so sorry for you. And thank you. Thank you. Because you saved us all. Um, so after the baby was killed, <laughs> or Jacob, I suppose you're the baby in the story. He's the baby in a lot of stories. I oh, am. Yeah. It's true. Uh-huh. So so Dan Kacht then burned the baby, <laughs> as you do. And threw and um oh no, sorry. I have to go back. He did one very important thing before he burned the baby. Seasoned and salted the baby. Oh, yeah, very important. <laughs> he did. Yes. He shook the baby. Oh, never, never. Shake never. a baby. <laughs> but when he shook the baby, he heard like this weird rattling inside. Oh, he did shake the baby. <laughs> Let's say he shook the baby. And uh. it was kind of like those Mexican jumping beans where it kind of like did this weird sort of like, like weeble wobble, but they don't fall down. Yeah. So he's like, what's making it do this? So. He cut it open, and... It was Zeus. It was three serpents. <gasps> In the baby? Three serpents inside the baby's heart. And they were capable, if they grew any larger, of destroying all life on the island of Ireland, or what was to become Ireland. This is very complicated. Call St. Patrick. Mm -hmm. We got baby heartworms. Yes. So he burned the snakes and cast them into the ocean, which boiled... Actually, no, it wasn't the ocean. It uh, He cast them into the nearest river, and because they were so venomous, they boiled the water, and now that river is called the River Barrow, the boil or the river, the boiling river ever since. So, of course, this is apocryphal because there have never been snakes in Ireland. Because the babies ate them. It's true. So, first, <laughs> first came the babies. Well, first were the snakes. And St. Patrick kicked the babies out of Ireland. I'm really confused now. So first snakes. Okay. Then babies. Okay. Babies ate the snakes. Babies were imported to deal with the snakes. Right, right. And then there were too many babies. This is Australia all over again. <laughs> so too many, but the, the, it was lousy with babies. So they had to, so St. Patrick had to come in and play his flute and bring all the babies into the ocean. Maybe we should rewind to where the mythology actually makes sense. <laughs> and and <laughs> no, not, this... not one of our surreal tangents. <laughs> I think, I think, I think, I mean, I mean, okay. You know, I'll buy it. All stories <laughs> are true stories. <laughs> so the other great part about him is that the way that he healed people is he'd throw them into a well and then pull them out again. Just like real doctors. Yep, just like a real doctor. Then this giant would hit him with this healing hammer. <laughs> so now we come to our favorite, um, Man uh, Mananan McLear. The Isle of Man's Man, Mananan McLear Man. Mananan McLear. Um, so he is. Can I ask a question? Occasionally, yes. I really, at some point in time, I really want you to tell me how he got the name Troublesome Boy Servant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, somebody's done their research. 
there are several stories about him that are kind of trickster trickster tales. And there is one of him. Um, oh gosh, he is in the form of a boy servant. And he uh I forgot what he tricks well as a trickster, he tricks somebody, but I can't remember exactly what he does. But yeah, so I think it comes from one of those tales. Probably short she did someone at summer camp. <laughs> But there's one of him being a musician, like being a bard, and there are uh, all sorts of stories about him going going out into the world and con- causing consternation. And again, these are probably Christian stories to kind of reduce the power of these deities into these kind of like comedic or right. uh, trickstery figures that you can't trust. So, um but yeah, so he was the one who gave all this stuff to Lou. Um, so I don't need to list his possessions, but he's seen as the ruler and guardian of the other world. We talked about that last time. Right. And yeah, but he's also <laughs> associated with the Gila de Care, who is, is another trickster figure and the churl in the drab coat. Hmm. So we're going to talk about the churl in the drab coat next time, but he's often sort of folded in with, with that bit of a, um, bit of a care on actually there. I think, yeah, and we talked about him in the Karen, Karen, Karen episode. So he's kind of a he's late late evolution man. Man has mm-hmm. elements of like sea god slash doorway to death god, which mm-hmm. I wonder if he can like sit down and have like coffee with the goddess sticks and just talk, complain about people crossing them all the time. I think so. I think so because he yeah he's also considered a psychopomp yeah, too little, because he is a guide to the other kind world of and helps people. Yeah. Um, so he's often seen as the uh, first ruler of the Isle of Man, as we've talked about. So he is the if you if you look at the Manx flag, there's the triskelion, and the three legs, which are actually and, which are mm-hmm. actually his arms, because the triskelion is called the three arms of man, but it's his legs. What? Ah, uh, what? That's just that's just deep whimsy there. <laughs> His arms are actually legs. Yes. <laughs> but boy, can he run. Imagine, imagine your arms without elbows. It's it's like the okay. joke about the farmer who raised chickens with six legs. And and the tourist came by and he's like, what do they taste like? And he's like, I don't know. I haven't caught one yet. <laughs> I was thinking the farmer had six legs. Now we're, we've gone back to square one on this one. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. 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 So going back to 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 the legs, the arms that are legs. Um, in Manx. So that's supposed to in Manx. Um. He that's that's supposed to be him both running like running on land mm. as well as running across the ocean. It it makes sense because I've only got two legs and I can't run across the ocean. Mm-hmm. So and actually he was. He's kind of a, a boar figure because he would turn himself into that little whirlwind of arm arm legs, really, and roll around the ocean. And or according to legend, okay, according to okay, sure, if you can do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's also uh, he he was a great king. Everybody loved him because his tribute was essentially just a sedge, which is a type of grass. So he did, you know his tribute was was sedge grass. Because so, the last guy sacrificed to the fomor. Yeah, <laughs> so it's kind of like, oh, we could totally give you grass, dude. It's better. <laughs> you, know, all right. you can have all the grass Time you want. To mow the lawn. <laughs> also, have we talked about Manx, the um, sheep? No. 
You should look up a picture of, of Manx. Are they hairless? They're, no, they are spectacular. They have four horns. Oh, yeah. These guys. They're so cool. Freakish seraphim. They're the coolest sheep in Gosh, the world. Gosh, it looks world. like Leonard. <laughs> Call out to. Oh, that's that's eerie. <laughs> so I really want to go to the Isle of Man. Um, so, yeah, like. Interestingly, as much as as often as he shows up, he's also he doesn't really do a whole lot except give people stuff. Like he's just this benign figure that gives people stuff, takes people across the water to the other world. He just is this kind of very benevolent figure. Um, but importantly, okay, Jamin, we're coming to your time. He is the one that when it was decided that the earth would be, or Ireland would be split between the Malaysians and the Tuatadanan, he's the one that led the Tuatadanan into the she, which is the, it's both people, it's both a person, people, and a thing, and that the she is actually the hill, like the hill, the landmass that the fairy people live in. So he led them down right. into that realm. Diminish and go west sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So he's he's a uh, key to that. We shall become like the potato um, and burrow. <laughs> do potatoes actually burrow? Like, do they kind of like themselves sort of? How else do they down? get down there? That's a very good point. Nobody really. I mean, yeah, yeah. Okay. For those of you listening along at home, wishing to flame me for the Irish potato joke, now is your opportunity. It's a very serious subject. I spent a lot of time thinking about the famine. Thanks, Jamin. Too soon. Too soon. The episode has been full of downers. It really has. Are we going to talk about Morrigan soon? <laughs> we are. So we're getting to that. So the she. So we're just briefly like we're going to talk more about she next time because they are the fairy folk. So it's she spelled in Irish S-I-D-H-E. In Scottish, it's S-I-T-H. Um, the I has a little accent. That's why it's the she. But an interesting thing about that you probably already knew about the fairies is that in order to avoid their wrath, you have to call them the good people. You have to compliment them. So that's why they're often referred to as the good people. So again, in Christian lore, they are fallen angels. And so, okay, here's a bit of an explanation for why the fairies are considered fallen angels. So they were not bad enough to be damned into hell, but they were beyond saving. And so uh, they shouldn't really, they couldn't regain their place in heaven or, or find a place in heaven. So they had to live down in the mortal realm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. There is precedence for this. There were some demons that didn't fall as hard as like the Lucifer demons because they just oh. kind of fell because they were like in the blast radius mm-hmm. of, of Lucifer when he bro- broke through the earth. They kind of tumbled in his aftershock. Oh, okay. Yeah. So sin equals weight? Well, I guess they would have been, maybe they were hanging around in like a, a red light district or something. I don't know. Huh. Okay. All right. So in scholarly literature, she is also considered like it's synonymous or there's a cognates with immortal. So they're considered to be immortal creatures as well. And they're usually beautiful but sometimes they're also depicted as hideous and we're going to talk about some of the both next time mm. so they're also called the the she which is a o s and then s i with the apostrophe um but they're fierce guard guardians of their 
boats. So fairy hills, fairy rings, a special tree or a locker wood. And you should never infringe upon these spaces because they will retaliate. This also, this whole idea of the retaliation, of course, contributes to the European changeling. Right. So they steal your children and replace them with a changeling. They are connected often to certain times of the year or certain hours of the day, like dusk and dawn, and because dusk and dawn are the points where, again, the veil is the thinnest. Li- liminal the spaces. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And some, you know, festivals like Samhain, Beltane, and Midsummer are, they're considered owned by the Aishi. But it, a little aside, <laughs> there's also some conjecture that some of these myths were kind of brought into the um, 19th and 20th century when, of course, the Irish <laughs> were fighting against the British. They would have would have weapons caches inside of mounds, and so they would call them fairy mounds oh. and like portray like this myth, like you better not get too close because there is going to be retaliation uh, protecting their weapons caches. Ha ha ha. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So make your mythology work for you is the lesson there. Okay, so who do you think we're going to talk about now? Morgan. Dun, dun, dun. Yay! I have a few things to say about her, but you first. This is the Morrigan, again, is part of the Tua de Danon. However, Morrigan is also a she. And she's actually, she's actually three she's. She, or she could be one, she could be a she, or she could be a she, she, she. Mm. Right? Mm. Which I am very confused by mm. <laughs> who those other she, who, who the three she's are. She's also right? she's also been identified as a Lilith. Oh, <gasps> let's take it all the way that back. Makes total sense it's- because she's doing it with Dada to, uh, you know, ensure fertility and Dada is kind of a like, uh, you know, underworld figure. I think it's not. It's not a very strong association. It's like someone glosses mm-hmm. her as this is a night a female night monster. It's a Lilith, but that's kind of neat. But also. She's kind of like she's the dark goddess. Like if Danu is the light goddess, she's the dark one. And she's the goddess, like she's the goddess of war. Yeah, she's well. fairly dark. Mm-hmm. So the Morrigan or the Morgan Morigna is an example, of course, uh, the the three part goddess, the maiden, mother, and crone archetype. And again, s- some scholars believe she was supplanted. Like there's an assumption that. She was supplanted, like the, this kind of three-part figure was supplanted by the Trinity. Mm. But so the the Morrigan, if you're if you're accepting that it's three goddesses, I could find four possibilities, <laughs> and there might be more. But the ones that come up are the Bod, which is the Battle Crow, and we're going to talk a little bit more about her. So you've got the Bod, you've got um. Nemain or name it Nemain, I think. Matcha, and you have potentially the Morrigan slash Anu slash Danu, the kind of big female goddess, the mother goddess. The great mythological scholar uh, Wikipedia mm-hmm, suggests mm-hmm. that she was kind of a three goddess first and foremost because everything needs to come in threes in this world. 
Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, everything. You know, the Triskelion also is represented in the Celtic, you know, that that kind of uh, trefoil yeah. of the swirls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then maybe the names of the goddesses that she was associated with were like added on after the fact once they decided she needed three names. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's possible. But so talking about a little bit about some of these. So the bot, of course, is the battle crow. And so she's supposed to cause fear and confusion among soldiers to turn the tide of battle to the to her favored side. Often she would also show up to portend of death. And because sometimes this took the form of quacking, (laughs) very loud, terrible quacking or screaming, she is associated with the the, the banshee. Mm. Right. Okay. Also, she sometimes washes clothes, which is a very vivid banshee act. Yes. So she's often seen washing dirt, like bloody clothes, as a portent of death. And there's a lot of lore about like women who die in childbirth having to wash their clothes. Uh, like there's there's a lot of stuff about washing bloody clothes. <laughs> and here's another one of those milk things. There's a story about like if you encounter her, the way to to kind of like you know not not die as she's <laughs> as she's uh, predicting you will is to come up behind her. She often has these big pendulous breasts. She flops them over her shoulder, and if you come up and suckle on her breasts from then, behind, like you're not from behind. Okay. Uh, mm, I thought this was the the B nine. So um yeah. Yes, it is. It is. We I just kind of went into the washerwoman trope, but would you like to continue with that? Well, there there was actually a story about like a, a younger version of the Benai. Um mm-hmm. it's like a little little thing. It was called the Benai baby. Mm-hmm. Babies. <laughs> They're very rare and collectible. <laughs> just like real babies. <laughs> I just got it. <laughs> Okay, that's going to be some of our merch. (laughs) (laughs) I had that one highlighted in my notes. Stuffed she. You could get like a little activity kit for your B9 baby where it has like a little washboard or a little rock and it's washing like dirty clothes. (laughs) Bloody, bloody clothes. Or you can also get it like, you know how they have like sometimes they have like little costumes. So you could get a little crow, little battle crow costume. Yeah. Well, the the Beanie Baby is just one variation of the Bean She overall, kind of that that mm. legend. It's just kind of the same mm. spirit family. Mm. Mm-hmm. No, specifically, it's a version of that. Like it's it's the Scottish sister to the Bean She. Mm-hmm. And uh, though the kind of scary washerwoman shows up in some of the other, like I think Cornish tales. Maybe Manx as well, but she shows up other places as as, a, as well as a continuation of that idea. I just wanted to say a couple more things about the whole crow and battlefield thing. That there's a lot of belief that um, the reason why crows, like these goddesses, were kind of considered to like, or spe- I think all pretty much, well, the the Bab and um, the Morgan herself could take the shape of crows and. As such, they would come into the battlefield, create confusion, they would eat the dead, and they would, of course, also 
like take they I think this is also where they would take souls to the afterlife as well. And the reason why, I mean, it's kind of like the dogs in Egypt where they became associated with this because you did always have crows mm, on a right. battlefield because they would eat the bodies. And oftentimes bodies were left out for the crows to eat, not only because, hey, good way to get rid of bodies. Also like, oh, they're taking the souls. Right. So, okay. She also, the Bob could also bring people back to life. And... The Morgan, yes. So, do you want to talk about the Morgan, Jamin? I I came away from this with two things. One, I got into this. Mm-hmm. I kept getting confused on the the Morgan, and I realized, like I think, think other people have, is I kept getting into like the Arthurian cycle where you've yeah, got no, no Morgan Le Fay, and there's there's yeah, it comes, it up. comes up. There's almost no relation, but people keep trying to make it fit. Yeah, right. You got the evil. That's people. That's people. However, and this one, this one is moderately good stuff, is I spent a lot of time, there was actually some paper books that I was trolling through. So Celtic, Gaelic, Proto-Irish came from like Iberia, Central, Eastern, Eastern, like that region before they moved up into the islands. And so linguistically, mm-hmm. you know, it is kind of a, a Germanic language. They do have that Indo-European root. And there's kind of the, like, if you take the word Morrigan, the M-O-R, and I'll, I'll get to the end. The M-O-R cognate with, like, the Scandinavian Mara or the English Mare, like Nightmare, right? Right? Yes. And then mm-hmm. the Rigan, Regan, possibly cognate, like, they're shared some roots with Regal, you know, Rex. So it's like the Nightmare Queen is hmm. the Morgan. And there's some actual pretty good, you know, follow through on building this. And I'd done all this research and I'd like turn the page and I'd lick my finger. And like I'd, I'd worked hard on finding this, you know, oh, Morgan is Nightmare Queen. Wikipedia, you scroll down. It's like right there. They did all the work for you. I could have saved myself at least 10 brain cells. But you did it the right way. Like, you have the pride of doing research the right way. I can cite my sources. Yeah. Like, I I feel like, yeah, I think you should be proud of yourself that you did the work. Now. You showed your work. You can also edit Mm -hmm. Wikipedia. So, like, if you check now and you click on more again, it will say, like, comment, subscribe. (laughs) Uh, See what I did there? See? So going into moving on uh, etymology, mm-hmm. more in Irish also means big, so mm. big queen, right, 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 big right, god, right, like the goddess. So there's different. I, I like the nightmare or the mare aspect too. I like both those things can be, and it could have been could be simultaneous present. development of yeah. Hmm. 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 Yep. 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 Um. So yeah. So uh. That's kind of where I think we should leave it because we have a whole lot of critters <laughs> to talk about next time. I'm so excited by the slua. I really want to talk about them. You are, you are, yeah, you're just chomping at the slua bit. <laughs> Gross. Yeah, they look really interesting and there's all kinds of like really great. It uh, turns out when you have sort of a, a, a mining. You're, you're miners, you also have a lot of interesting creatures. I'll just put that out there. Mm-hmm. Creatures of the wiggly dark. Not miners, like you can't buy beer. <laughs> like right. Excavators. 
Mm-hmm. Well, is that where we wrap up then? I think it might be. Okay. So any any questions, concerns, feedback? No, I think I got everything reflection. I wanted to touch on I mentioned. So mm-hmm. I'm feeling okay with that. Yay! Yay! This is fun. Well, dear listeners, mm-hmm. this is probably part two of a four-part trilogy or three-part trilogy. We're not sure. But we're mm-hmm. looking forward to continuing this very soon with you. In the meantime, I would ask that you consider liking us, interviewing us on Apple iTunes, supporting us on Patreon. The link will be at the top of our webpage. Joining us on Instagram at dispatchist underscore podcast. Or Twitter at the dispatchist. Is there a third? We have a Facebook group. We have a Facebook we have group. Facebook called the Dispatchist Podcast. If you post, let's talk about I how. will leave you a reaction okay. with my face doing this. <laughs> True story. I don't think anybody wants that. But in the meantime, we will see you in hell. Bye. Toodles. This podcast is copyright 2021 by The Dispatchist and its Creative Commons. You're welcome to reuse with attribution. Look for us on your favorite podcast app. Say hi to us on Twitter or Gmail at The Dispatchist, no spaces. Check out our website, dispatch.ist, for more episodes, show notes, and a variety of hellish resources.